Welcome back to the Below Average Joe's MMA show. It's time for another MMA weekend recap. We discuss all things Bellator 301, including the two title fights at the top of the bill and other big winners on the card. And what does it all mean for the future of the organization as we are left with more questions than answers about Bellator as a whole as we head into 2024? We will also discuss the UFC Vegas 82 main event where Brendan Allen got a big win over Paul Craig to extend his winning streak and some other important winners as we head into the off week for the UFC and Bellator next week, PFL Championships. But we'll worry about that then. Let's discuss Bellator 301 and UFC Vegas 82. It starts in Chicago, Illinois with Bellator. If Bellator 301 was the final event of the Bellator that we've come to know, then boy, oh boy, what a way to go out. Because you have Jason Jackson play spoiler and dethrone the undefeated Yaroslav Amazov and Patchy Mix continues to run through the bantamweight division. But with the future of the organization in question, what does this all mean? Coming into Bellator 301, we had one of the most dominant champions in the organization in Yaroslav Amazov. 27-0, 8-0 in Bellator, had looked pretty much flawless in all of his victories. And then last night, at this event in Chicago, Illinois, Jason Jackson lives up to the nickname of the ass-kicking machine and knocked out the undefeated Amazov to become the new welterweight champion of the world, has now increased his win streak to seven in a row. He was number two coming into this. Now he holds the title around his waist, but for what? What is the future of Bellator? And that's the discussion of this quick recap that you're getting today, because there's only so many takeaways and projections to make when we don't even know what's to come in the future in 2024. Now, I had seen a tweet on Friday night during the card from Chris Cyborg saying that she is fighting Leah McCourt in 2024, that this is not the end of Bellator. However, there was nothing officially confirmed ever by Bellator for the 2024 calendar. They've been like retweeting a lot of accounts in the MMA Twitter community you know, posting throwbacks from the organization's history. It all just seems a little weird to me. Again, there's no event coming up in December. There's no, you know, big announcements made officially by the company, by PR or anything like that, even from Scott Coker himself. So the only tweet we have to base off of that Bellator may still be around in 2024 is from Chris Cyborg saying she's going to fight Liam McCourt in Ireland then went on to add to that thread and promote a boxing fight that she's having next. So take that all with a grain of salt. You can't take away here what Jason Jackson did. He was a plus 340 underdog coming into this fight. Not many people, including myself, thought that he was going to be able to get the job done against someone in Amazov who has just been so good, so clean, so precise, just such a very technically prowess style of fighter. And, you know, Jason had had so many decision wins in a row. People tend to sleep on fighters when they're not getting finishes and having exciting performances, but he did everything he had to do to earn this opportunity. And then he takes it, gets the knockout play spoiler becomes the new champion of the world. That's 
when the finishes mattered the most. And he did that to silence all the doubters, silenced me even. This was a very surprising way to end the night. And you look at the resume that he's quietly built over these last five fights. Benson Henderson, Neiman Gracie, Paul Daly, Douglas Lima, and now Amazov to become the champion. What a night for Jason Jackson. My hat is off to you, my friend. At only 33 years old, he's right in those prime years, hence why he is on a you know, seven-fight win streak right now. He's coming into his all, and I just hope that it's not all happening at the wrong time professionally for him if Bellator does go by the wayside. Again, we just have to keep monitoring this situation. Is it going to be PFL you know, overtaking Bellator, purchasing Bellator, merging all of these fighters in? Is it going to be a completely different body? Is Bellator just going to be nothing and all of these fighters on the roster become free agents? Time will tell. And then the co-main event of the evening, Patchy Mix has done it. He has reached the epitome of the Bantamweight division. He was the interim champion coming in and submits Sergio Pettis, the current undisputed champion, if you will, to become the true bantamweight champion of the world the undisputed champion i guess i can't call sergio the undisputed even though he was the real champion yeah patchy mix is that guy he to me i think patchy mix right now currently sitting is the face of bellator i think he is the best fighter in the promotion i think he has the most momentum of any fighter in the promotion you mix that in with the name value you mix that in with the weight class that he's having to do all of this amazing stuff in four straight Submission victory, seven or eight fight win streak now. Only one loss in his career, and it's against a former champion in Juan Archuleta. Patchy Mix is the best fighter in Bellator, and he may be the best bantamweight in the world, despite what promotion you are looking at. Imagine Patchy Mix will get that opportunity to compete in the PFL or in the one championship or in the granddaddy of them all, the UFC, and fighting against guys like Sean O'Malley, Aljamain Sterling. Henry Cejudo, can you just imagine the matchups and the possibilities and the hype behind a lot of those? Because as I said in the preview of this card, there are people in Bellator that have the rightful claim to be in the discussion for the best fighters in the world in their weight class. Amazov was one of them. He did just lose to Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson now enters that conversation, but so is Patchy Mix. And 135 pounds is the best weight class in MMA Promotion through promotion, in, in my opinion. It's the most stacked. It's the most youthful. It's the most fresh. It is the best. And he has shown that he is the best of the best in Bellator. And you look at the skills that he has, the physique that he has. He's a long-rangey guy for the weight class. He is a unique breed of fighter, and he very well could be the best 135-pound fighter in the world. And I would love to see him get tested against the other best in the world to prove himself to really show that Bellator over all of these years has had a plethora of great talent. We haven't got to see a ton of them make that transition over to the UFC. It's usually the other way around. Obviously, Michael Chandler comes to fresh in mind. He's been in the top five ever since he entered into the UFC, and he's still fighting ranked competition every fight that he's ever had since then. I think Patchy Mix could very well do the same thing, be thrown right into the mix of a top 10, top five opponents in uh, Bellator or in the UFC, excuse me, and he could absolutely compete 
with the best of those guys. But give me all of your thoughts. Please give me your predictions. What do you think is going to happen with Bellator? Truthfully, are they done? Are they getting merged with the PFL, bought by the PFL, if you will? Is all of these fighters going to just flow right in? to another organization, if Bellator is just done completely and nobody's purchasing them, all of these fighters are now free agents, which of them would you be most excited to see transition right into the UFC? For me, it's a 100% patchy mix, as we just discussed. I think he could absolutely hang with the big dogs in the UFC, compete with them, and beat them, and dare I say, even become a UFC champion. He is that Damn good. 30 years old, right in the middle of his prime, surging right now, beating all of these great competition, uh, all of these great opponents, including Sergio Pettis now at this point. Give me all your thoughts on that, what you want to see for Bellator. If this is the end of the road for them as an organization, what are your favorite memories? What are your favorite fights? What are your favorite fighters in Bellator history? Let me know all of your thoughts in the comments below. That's it for the main and co-main event discussion. Again, quick hitters. There's not a ton to talk about when you don't even know the future of the company that this card is taking place under. But there are definitely other things to discuss here. Touch on real quickly. It starts with the Bantamweight division. Hafeon Stotts improves to 2-0 over Danny Sabatello after a unanimous decision victory. Moved down one more. A.J. McKee and Sydney Outlaw had a bloody mess of a fight at lightweight. A.J. McKee did get the victory there. One of the longest tenured fighters currently in the Bellator promotion. Curious to see what would happen with A.J. Because a couple years back, a lot of people, including ourselves here on the channel, wanted to see him in the UFC. I feel like that kind of hype has succumbed a little bit. And I wonder in the grand scheme of things in the community if there's still plenty of interest in an A.J. McKee crossover to the UFC. Uh, another lightweight bout, Alexander Chablis dominated Patricky Pitbull in a semifinal lightweight Grand Prix matchup. He is now in the finals. He beat him pillar to post for five straight rounds and route to a decision victory. Technically is now supposed to fight Usman Nurmagomedov. As said in the preview, Nurmagomedov has since been suspended for six months. Don't quite know the future for him if he's going to be stripped of the title. And, well, you add in that wrinkle of still the future of Bellator in general. But Chablis did show that he is an absolute force to be reckoned with at 155 pounds. A lot of other ranked fighters got wins on this card, including Archie Colgan. He improved uh, his perfect record and stayed undefeated. Denise Keyholtz got a big victory in a top five matchup with Sumiko Inaba. Uh, Tamir Kizriev beat Justin Gonzalez and remained undefeated. I believe he's 13 or 14 and 0 now, if I'm not mistaken. So big, big fights, big results. Um, and it's just a shame that we can't sit here and discuss it more and what's next for all of these names because of the overarching question about Bellator. So let me know what you guys think about the promotion, what you think is going to you know, come in the new year? Are they going to be merged with the PFL, purchased by another body? Are they just going to be done in general and we get a buttload of talent into the MMA free agent pool? Give me all your thoughts. And now that we are finished up with all things Bellator and what could come in the future for them, we transition to UFC Vegas 82 at the Apex. We start in the main event. Brendan Allen defeats Paul Craig via submission, extends his win streak. Six wins in a row, five of them via submission, 
all all five of those submissions by the way are by rear naked choke we may just have the master of the rear naked choke in the ufc brendan allen extends his win streak gets a big win over the number 13 ranked middleweight paul craig formerly top 10 ranked light heavyweight and now he will look to come tuesday morning be a legitimate player amongst the middleweights he came into this weekend at number 10 where might he find himself on tuesday morning Let's talk about that and what we got to see in the cage on Saturday night. We really have to start talking about Brendan Allen being amongst the elite uh, in the middleweight division. Say what you will about the win streak. I saw a lot of people kind of throwing some shade around. Obviously, there are people such as myself that would give him his flowers like I am here. And then people would respond back saying, "Eh, well, you know, he's beating cans, if you will. I, I get it. The win streak isn't anything that crazy. But for a guy that has just gotten to number 10 in the division, it's a pretty good win streak, and it makes sense for where his current standing is as he continues to move up. The competition is going to get harder. It obviously started in February of 2022. He beat Sam Alvey, Jacob Malkoon, Christoph Jotko, who's now in the PFL, Andre Muniz on a short-notice main event opportunity, Bruno Silva, and now Paul Craig. It's not that weak of a win streak, especially when you look at those latter three with Andre, Bruno, and Paul Craig on Saturday night. And it's been ultra impressive. Brennan is getting all of these submission victories, but he's not someone that just has to rely upon his grappling as much as like maybe the stats may say. He seems to be very well polished and at least comfortable and competent in all other areas of his fight game. At 27 years old, He's 23 and 5, 11 and 2 in the UFC, 13 fights since joining at the end of 2019. So he's always been super active, three fights a year. The only losses in his career in the UFC were to Sean Strickland, the now middleweight champion, which was short notice and I believe up a weight class at light heavyweight. And then he lost to Chris Curtis at the tail end of 2021. Other than that, He's been pretty much flawless and now finds himself on this win streak. Paul Craig, it's tough to see him go down here because this was just a dominant one-sided traffic type performance from Brendan Allen. He you know, came in uh, earlier this year, debuted at 185 against Andre Munez, got a TKO victory. He seems to fit well at 185 pounds. Uh, doesn't seem to be draining himself. He was never a huge light heavyweight. So Paul Craig now finds himself one and one through two fights in the weight class as we head into 2024. Probably looking to get two or three fights in next year. He's been a pretty active fighter in his own right ever since joining the company. I don't quite know what the ceiling may be because obviously I believe highly in Brendan Allen, so it's not like this is a bad loss, if you will, for Paul Craig or detrimental to his future. But I think it at least poses some questions because we've seen it time and time again now where it seems if Paul Craig can't get you down and submit you, he's very much, go- or finish you at least on the ground, I should say, because he did finish Andre Muniz via TKO, but it was on the ground. If he can't get you down there and do damage where he feels most comfortable, he's in for a long night in a lot of these fights, fights where he can't get his opponents to the ground, such as this one against Brendan Allen, such as against uh, Volkan Uzdemir. Um, so it's definitely a weird spot for Paul Craig. He is in a division now that is a little bit, I don't know, middleweight and light heavyweight. Both of the divisions he's competed in aren't the deepest. Um, Light heavyweight has been improving over the last couple of years, which is good. 
Middleweight is at least fresh at the top now with all the new championship stuff going down. But a lot of the ranked fighters are still pretty much the same for the most part. So we'll see what he can do. I believe he's 35 years old. So it's not like it's the end of the road just yet. But in order for him to really make a legitimate run into contendership status, which is where Brendan Allen now finds himself, it would take a lot of polishing and I just don't believe that at 35 he can make those proper you know, steps because there just may not be enough time left in the career. So we'll see what comes next for uh, the man that hails from Scotland, Paul Craig. And uh, for Brendan Allen, what's next could be a pretty fun discussion. So coming off this win with six straight victories now, a plethora of them by submission, Brendan Allen is in a very good spot at 27 years old just now about to enter into those prime years, which is pretty incredible to have this win streak as you're just about to hit your stride in terms of your physical prime and capabilities. Number 10 right now, come Tuesday, maybe he hopscotches one spot over Jack Hermanson to number nine. I don't see them putting him above Hamzat, who finds himself at number eight right now. So what could be next for number nine slash 10 ranked Brendan Allen right now at middleweight with the current layout of the division? Well, we did find out that Roman Delizze is going to fight Nasruddin Imavov. I believe that's going to be February 3rd. Potential main event on a fight night card, which is number 7 versus number 12. To me, the answer is pretty clear. It's a guy that we haven't seen in a little bit. It's the number 5 ranked Marvin Vittori. Marvin is one of the better grapplers in the division. Probably one of the best now that Derek Brunson is out in terms of pure like wrestling. And Brennan Allen has pretty much shown that he's a Swiss Army knife, but thrives on the ground with his submissions and his transitions. And he just is so comfortable down there. Marvin could look to take him down and utilize his strength in that fight. But I would think Marvin would want to predominantly keep that on the feet, keep it standing. So if we were to get that over the course of 25 minutes, Brendan would really find himself being tested uh, more on the feet than we have seen in the past few fights. It wouldn't come as easy as some of these fights. I think that is absolutely the fight to make. Number five ranked Vittori versus Brendan Allen, who's currently number 10, could hopscotch one or two spots come Tuesday morning. I think that's a great fight. Make it a main event on a fight night card over the course of 25 minutes. Brendan gets a win there. That's seven in a row, cracks into the top five. And for Vittori, be a good spot for him to get a big win over someone who is surging right now. Uh, put a little bit more pep in his step, a little bit more momentum on the side of Marvin Vittori because it's been a little bit stagnant over the past few years. He's had big wins. He did lose a title fight though with uh, Israel Adesanya. He's had a crazy fight with Paulo Costa and uh, he has had a little bit of a layoff, which is probably good. He's had some tough fights uh, over the most recent stretch of his career. So whenever he's ready sometime in the first quarter of 2024, you know, January, February, March, I'd love to see Vittori, versus Brennan Allen next. So that's all for the UFC Vegas 82 main event. Let me know what you think should be next for Brennan Allen. Six fight win streak, five of those by submission. He gets a big win over Paul Craig. Are, are you kind of believing in the hype now? Were you a little hesitant coming in? Now you saw this performance and you're kind of all all board? Or do you want to see him against a contender such as uh, the previously mentioned Marvin Vittori or someone else? Let me know if you have another matchup in mind for what makes sense for Brendan Allen. I'm a believer in the guy. I have been for quite some time, but he's really turning the corner right now in his career, and it's exciting to see where he may just take this thing in 185 pounds. 
Now that the main event is out of the way, let's talk about some quick hitters before we get on out of here for this weekend's MMA recap. 23-year-old Michael Morales extended his perfect record to 16 wins, 0 losses, and 4-0 in the UFC, plus a win on the Contender Series back in 2021. This guy is a legitimate problem. He is a legitimate force to be reckoned with at 170 pounds at this age to be showing the skills that he already has done is quite incredible. He gets a big win over Jake Matthews, looked very good throughout the 15 minutes, and he's fought a pretty decent name value kind of portion of competition through these first four fights. Trevin Giles, Adam Fugit, Max Griffin, and Jake Matthews, all victories. Those latter two by decision against the toughest opponents. He had to kind of dig deep in both of those, and he did en route to victories. I wouldn't be surprised if the 23-year-old finds himself fighting someone ranked in his fifth UFC fight or someone just on the outside looking in. You know, we're looking at number 15 right now at 170 being Hanat Fakhret Dinov. So maybe the UFC sees that Morales is only 23, gives him a couple more fights. Maybe they don't want to push him too fast, but it's only a matter of time before he finds himself there. The young man from Ecuador representing a country, putting it on his back and showing out at such a young age, six foot three. The physique is insane. The skill set is there. I'm so excited for the future. For Michael Morales. Number 10 ranked Amanda Hebos bounced back in a big way after she lost this summer to Macy Barber up at flyweight. She came back down to her home of 115 pounds and gets a big TKO finish down on the scorecards, potentially on the brink of defeat. Round number three, three minutes and 53 seconds over the number nine ranked Luana Pinheiro. Big time win. Big time finish. It came with a spinning wheel kick, something you don't see too often uh, in all of MMA, especially women's MMA. In 115 pounds, Amanda poured it on in round three. Looked so good. Looked so dangerous. Looked crisp. Someone known for her grappling and jujitsu showed some serious power with her hands and her striking. And uh, this was a big, big bounce back win for Amanda Hebos. She's seven and three in the UFC, and those three losses. You know, you look at it, it's Marina Rodriguez and what was a big-time fight on Fight Island back in 2021. She loses a razor-close split decision to Caitlin Chukagian in what was her flyweight uh, debut, or I guess not her debut because she had fought Paige Van Zandt at flyweight because I think that was semi-short notice. But in terms of, like, wanting to make a push for a potential career change to 125, it was against Caitlin Chukagian. Nearly edged that one out. It was a split decision loss and then lost another flyweight fight to Macy Barber, as I just said, this summer. Strawweight is the weight class of Amanda Hebos. She has to commit to 115 pounds. At 30 years old, she's right in the middle of her prime years. We've known ever since she came into the UFC in 2019 that she is a legitimate player. She is very skilled, very talented. People love her. She radiates just positivity. She's so happy to be in there and doing what she loves to do. Now I want to see her put it all together and see how far she can take her career. She's going to be back into the top 10 come Tuesday morning around number eight, number nine spot, one or two more fights, one or two more wins. She can get herself to a title opportunity, something I felt she could reach back in 2020 and 2019 before she kind of was going back and forth for weight classes. So if she stays committed to 115, Amanda Hebos has officially re-arrived in the strawweight ranks.
Other notable wins on this card, I mean, Chase Hooper got a big submission over Jordan Levitt. Now is 2-0 at 155 pounds. Looks like this is the weight class for him. And you want to just talk submissions in general. There were 14 fights on this card, six of which ended via submission. So Chase Hooper got a big one there. Peyton Talbot looking like he could be a legitimate player. The young man, I believe, was also on the Contender Series, 7-0, undefeated, submitted uh, Nick Aguirre. Uh, in a fight that he had a tough, tough first round. He was struggling and then got back and got the submission early on into round number three. Uh, we had a debuting short notice. Probably going to butcher this name, but Mick, Mick Tebek or Albi. I hope that's at least somewhat respectable pronunciation. <laughs> he got a short notice victory over Euros Medic. Uh, that was also via submission. It was a neck crank. Joe Anderson Brito got a ninja choke over Jonathan Pierce. Uh, JP kind of got stuck talking some trash, and Joe Anderson Brito capitalized on that and got a big-time win. Uh, Jose Johnson got a submission win over Chad and Helliger. Christian Leroy Duncan had a brutal, brutal knockout earlier on the prelims. So it was a very fun card through and through, and uh, that's going to be it for the quick hitters. No Bellator this coming week, no UFC this coming week on Thanksgiving weekend, but we do get Black Friday fights with the PFL. It is their championship event, uh, so we have all those to look forward to from the season, plus the return of Kayla Harrison, the PFL debut of Derek Brunson. It should be a fun card, so I'm going to be here to at least preview and recap what I can. It's going to be a mess as it usually is for the PFL with these championship cards. But please, please, let's keep the pacing going on this card. So I'll see you guys this weekend for that action in the PFL and maybe any other news that may come out during this week. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Have a great week upcoming, and I'll catch you for the MMA Weekend Preview on Friday.